one of the phrases we see plastered over churches, in front of churches, on banners, on greeting cards, is peace on earth. And I don't know about you, when I'm preparing a message this all this last week, titled Peace on Earth, question mark, after I'd already started all the way to the end, then we have this event in Kentucky. You think, how, how does that work? I don't really understand. God, are you up there? Did you see what just happened? Uh, how does this fit in the character of God who loves his people and has sent his son, and what we celebrate at Christmas, singing this song, Peace on Earth. And so, you know, God knew the timing of all of this. <laughs> when I started in, they prompted my heart. We're taking a break from 1 Corinthians 13. Um, but several weeks ago, I put this passage on my heart to preach on, and then just going through the news of the events. This one uh, woman, I'm sure you saw this, was streaming, um, I'm not okay, under five foot of rubble. And everything just completely devastated. And you may feel that way at times in your life, buried under five feet of rubble. And there is no peace, there is no joy. And as I shared earlier, this time of year is, is we celebrate joy and peace and songs and family and food and lighting up our homes, and, and yet it is the most difficult time for people. The natural disasters, threats of terrorism, war, crime, sickness, disease, death, conflict, heartache, pain, loss, tragedy, turmoil, division, fear, shattered lives, shattered families, shattered nations. And so worry, fear has gripped so many of us. So what do we do? We look up. We look up. And my prayer is that this morning we'll do this. Here's what we read, and this is not my primary text, but here's what we read in Luke 2, 12 to 14, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So how do we interpret peace on earth? How do we interpret that? And then secondly, how do we experience it? Because my prayer is that after we get through this morning, you'll be able to maybe better interpret what it's saying and better experience it in your own life. So our primary text is found in John chapter 16, verse 33. The peace on earth is when Jesus is born, the angels are proclaiming peace on earth. Now in John 16, Jesus is talking about the peace that he brings. So he's explaining what has happened and what he is doing. 
And here's what this text says. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So this morning what I'd like to do is there are four phrases in this. Let's stick to just this one verse, the four phrases, and just unpack this, the understanding of peace and the experiencing of peace. So he begins by saying this, I have said these things to you. This is Jesus speaking to his followers. And we need to realize that God has been speaking for a very long time. First recorded instance of this is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You're familiar with that passage. And, and then God said, let there be light. So God is speaking. Audible voice. We were not there to witness this. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then he goes on to say later in that chapter, The Word, which is God, was made flesh and lived among us. That's Jesus. And we beheld his glory. The glory of Jesus is the same as the only begotten of the Father. So God has come. And he has spoken and now is speaking through Christ. So in the ways that God speaks, <laughs> uh, it's interesting because he speaks with an audible voice. In Psalm 19, we say that he speaks through his creation. It's amazing. You read through Psalm 19, it's, it's beautiful how he says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And so there is an active speaking through his creation. He has spoken through prophets. Here, in this case, in chapter 2 of Luke, he's speaking through angels. When they say, peace on earth, he is speaking through his son. And today, he speaks to us through his word that he has given. So, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, Long ago, and many times, and in many ways... That sounds like an entry to Star Trek, doesn't it? <laughs> or Star Wars. No, I said long ago <laughs> in a galaxy far away. But it says long ago and at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom he has created the whole world. So the angels are declaring peace on earth and goodwill to men, which really is, is saying that God's goodwill is expressed to those who, who believe, those who have faith. But actually God's goodness, we call this um, just a goodness of God, common grace that is spread over all of the earth, but particularly to believers. So I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So this first part, he speaks to us this word, and he will continue to speak through his word. 
Secondly, he says, so that in me you may have peace. God has, God is, has spoken all through these ways and is speaking to you today by his spirit and by his word. And there's a reason. So that you might have peace. Isn't that amazing? I'm, I'm giving you these words. It's like you, you hear his voice and it just has this settling, calming effect upon our lives. In John 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be trouble, troubled, neither let them be afraid. So, God's spoken, Christ has spoken, the prophets have spoken, the angels have spoken, the word is speaking. For what? For peace. That you might have peace. That's impossible. <clears throat> and after this weekend, <laughs> I don't blame some people. Buried in rubble, five feet deep, <clears throat> saying I'm not okay, wondering about this. So this is why he speaks. Now, we're speaking about something that I believe is humanly impossible. To live in this world with all the sickness and disease and conflict and po political controversies and all the stuff we experience every day, it is humanly impossible to live in peace, to have peace. But there's another passage in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. And he's talking about a virgin having a baby. <laughs> you know, that'll get your attention. So, you know, you read about it a long time ago. Um, you say, well, that, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. And so is this. Most of what God promises you to bring you to the place in your life to have peace is humanly impossible. Don't ever forget that. It's impossible without him. So what is peace? <clears throat> if I were to ask you, how would you define peace? The first thing that comes to my mind is the absence of trouble. <laughs> The absence of grief. Um, and it, it is that. I think if you say to be at perfect peace, there is just the, the absence of, of trouble, of problems, of difficulties, of things going wrong. Some days are worse than others. That's how most people will define peace, the absence of trouble. And I do think, in a sense, it is that, but it is more than that. It's not just a vacuum. If we were to say that peace is just create this vacuum and suck out all the problems, what do you have left? Just air. <laughs> That's not God's will for your life, to just suck out all the problems. He wants to replace those feelings of distress and worry and anxiety with the fullness of his presence. 
not just getting out of all the trouble. Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 16 is one of my favorite. I got a lot of favorites. <laughs> Psalm 16 says, when, when, when David is saying, you will show me the path of life. That's great, isn't it? You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So in his presence, you combine together joy, which has to have peace. There's joy and peace and love and unity. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on me. So remember I said look up? When it's all distressing, look up. And, and you know, it's okay if you say, where are you, God? He's not going to strike you dead for saying that. Do you ever sometimes say, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to God, you know, but I'm really, really frustrated right now. Read the Psalms. Read what David says. How many times does he say, where are you, Lord? Or how long? How long? It's okay to pour out your heart to the way you feel. But still, looking up is the solution. So it's not just sucking all the air out, all the problems out. It is filling them back in with the presence of Christ. And he says, he will give you peace. Now, when I, I, I think of this, um, the, the declaration, peace on earth, uh, and the scripture that we've read, I have come that who might have peace? You. 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 Not like you just generally. Did you know that God knows you, everything about you? God knows you so much better than you know yourself. Isn't that scary? He knows your past, he knows your future, he knows what's happening, he knows every cell of your body, every thought, every heartbeat, he knows everything about you, and he wants to bring peace to you. Now, he's speaking to his followers. How did his, how did his followers follow him? Imperfectly. <laughs> you know, I love that. I love that when I read through the scriptures, that these followers, I call them faltering followers, because they're always messing up, saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, giving the wrong responses, but you know what? It does not change a thing about his love for them. It's not you holding on to him, it's him holding on to you. There's a big difference in that. So when I, when I think of this, this is a very personal message. I think when, when we, we've talked about this before, when we use the word you, typically in the New Testament, it is all of you, you all, but you don't see 
Y'all doesn't sound right in the King James English. <laughs> but, but that's really you all. But it's also you as, as someone he knows, someone he loves, someone he formed in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you, and he loves you, and he has purpose for your life. And part of his purpose for your life is that you have peace. I've told you these things, that in me you might have peace. But it's interesting that peace can only come through Jesus. He is the great reconciler of conflict. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? Not only did that mess up their lives, it messed up all of creation, and it messed up every descendant, which includes us. Used to talk about, my dad would talk about the Olson nature. Olson, my last name, Olson nature. Old, but we say old sin nature. So my dad's a sinner, his dad was a sinner. His, you know, we go back, son of Oli is what Olson is, son of Oli. And ironically, most of my lineage are named Oli, which sounds Oli Olson. My, my wife said, we're not gonna call our kids that. I said, oh my, they called me that in high school, they called me like that. Now, hey, wouldn't it be great if she, she's not here today because she's not feeling well, but if everybody said, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Old sin nature. So, so Adam and Eve really cast the entire world into this spiraling sin. Their choice. Sin, sin, sin. And, and really robbed, robbed this world of its peace. No longer was there peace between Adam and Eve or Cain and Abel or anything. Remember we've talked about horizontally. <laughs> we've also talked vertically. There was no, no more fellowship with God because they chose sin. But when Jesus came on the earth and died on the cross, he reconciled. He built the bridge back with God and with one another. That's beautiful. And when I'm reconciled with God, I have peace. I don't stand before him as a sinner weighed down with my sins. I stand before him forgiven. And you do too. If you follow him, believe on him, you are forgiven of all your sins. Listen to this. Past, present, future. Wow. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So he reconciles me to God, and I have peace with God. And he gives me the ability to reconcile with other believers. That's a little more challenging because believers aren't perfect like God is. In John 14, same, same account of the gospel, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. This is what Jesus says. In my Father's house are many rooms. He describes them as mansions, dwelling places. He said, Don't let your heart be troubled. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I'll receive you. That where I am, there you may be also. So then Thomas says, Lord, 
How do we know the way? It's like, how do we know the way to the heaven? Jesus said, I am the way. Pretty simple, isn't it? He said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You know what I love about the gospel? It is so simple. It is so simple. And wouldn't it be like God to do that so that even children, the simplest of people, could understand and believe? No other place can you find peace with God or with others than through Jesus. All in him. It's all through, as we said again, relationship. Not religion. It's not what you need. It's relationship with Christ. So number three, this next phrase, in the world you will have tribulation. So we should not be surprised. We live in a fallen world. We're walking around in fallen, dying bodies. We should not be surprised the world being run by the prince of the power of the air, of Satan having his way with people, we should not be surprised, should we, that there is tribulation. <clears throat> he says, in the world, you'll have tribulation. Now, world or earth is used several different ways. It can talk about nations. It can talk about the physical environment, the earth. But here it's talking about the, the cosmos, the world system. And, and basically the world system is not just without God, it is anti-God. It stands in opposition. It is run by Satan. And what he is saying is the weight of trouble. Um, he uses the word tribulation here. And it's interesting because he said... You know, I'm, I, have, I have come that you might have peace. In the world you, you will have, and there's one word. But that one word in the original Greek language is translated and used in Greek culture in the following ways. I want you to, because you have one word, and it's interesting because different, you'll read in one English translation, they use a different word. But all of these Words have been used to describe this. So here's what we're talking about. In the world, you will, okay, you will have tribulation. Suffering, evil, wickedness, depravity, anxiety, worry, affliction, hardship, misery, distress, poverty, need, oppression, exploitation, <clears throat> being locked up, natural disasters, storms, ruin, drought. All those words have been used to give meaning to this word that we have. Think, that sounds pretty depressing. <laughs> See, that sounds like my life some days. So this is, this is really for Israel, his followers, kind of take ourselves back in a time machine to first century Middle East. What was it like living there? It's hard to say, well, it was a lot worse then than it is now, but it was tough. Roman domination, persecution, politically, financially, and socially under the Romans. They, they were under the heel of the Roman. The Roman Empire was squashing everyone. Poverty, 
Most people would fight every day, each day, just for food for the day, for water, for shelter, living conditions, sickness, famine, disease, death. Life expectancy was probably, for most guys, early 30s. And spiritually, they were at a loss because you know who was leading them spiritually? The scribes and the Pharisees. <laughs> and we know them for all of their hypocrisy. So they're really getting disillusioned with organized religion. That was no hope. Roman Empire is crushing them. They got sickness and disease and problems. People dying everywhere. All of these things going on. I mean, how does it get any worse? And then you hear this from the angels saying, peace on earth. <laughs> so what does that mean? I think that to understand this, Jesus Christ, when you receive him as your personal savior, believe upon him, just simply believe upon him, gives you immediate peace internally. Your peace with God. All been reconciled. Now everything around you is still in chaos. Right? I mean, and it will be until he comes again. What's he waiting for? What's he waiting for? Another tornado, another disaster, another economic collapse, another loved one dead. What's he waiting for? One more person. Might be your brother, sister, your mom, your son or daughter, your neighbor. And we read about what Peter says. He, the Lord is not slack. He's not lazy. He's not, he's not that he's not clued in. He's long-suffering because he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. In other words, he doesn't want anyone to be without him. He wants everyone to be in heaven. But it's a free gift. So a gift is offered. It's only when we receive that by faith that we have it. So he's not willing. In other words, he's not desiring that anyone should be lost. And so I think that what is hard, part, and Paul talked about this longing. I long to be in heaven. How many of you <laughs> feel that way some days? I long to be in heaven. I, I long to have a new body. I long to be reunited with my loved ones. I long to be there. Um, but I get a little nervous about how that's going to happen. <laughs> Remember my dad saying to me before he died, he said, um, said you know, uh, I'm not afraid of dying. He said, I'm not afraid of really, I know I'm going to heaven. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. He said, I just kind of wondering how it's going to happen. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I think all of us feel that way. But... How could we not long for a perfect world? You know, it's like the Garden of Eden times a thousand. Infinite. You know, no, there's no sorrow. You read Revelation 21. There's no sorrow, no sickness, no pain, nor no tornadoes, no arguments, no conflict. When we get to heaven, perfect peace. 
But in the world, presently, we have tribulation. Now here's how in John 17, I know I'm kind of pulling several things out of John, but in John 17, he's praying to his father, and he says, I'm praying for these you've given to me. That means, that means his disciples. Say like his followers. I'm praying for those you've given to me, who you've called out of the world, but they're really in the world. In other words, so the world, you're in the world, but the world is not in you. <laughs> so the peace comes being reconciled with God, having an eternal perspective, seeing these things, the hardships, and knowing that peace ultimately with everything is going to come. And, that, and that's why another word we use at Christmas is hope. It's the anticipation of that. So part of this peace is for you right now, today, when you go home, you can have peace with God in the midst of all of this. So the last phrase, he says, but take heart. The old King James uh, you know, the King James is probably the most eloquent, flowing translation. It's just that when you get done with it, you don't know what they really said. <laughs> and so I, I like this, so it says, be of good cheer. Now, if I said that to you when you walked in the door this morning, you know, what has he been eating? Um, <laughs> be of good cheer. So my translation here says, take heart. But there, there are really a number of words to translate, and I, I don't always like to, I'm not trying to throw in a Greek word every week, but sometimes it really is, it opens it up. It really opens it up. So the word that's translated take heart or uh, be of good cheer, three ways it's translated. And I, I want to give you those three ways. If you want to write them down, it helps. One is confidence. Two is courage. And three is cheerfulness. Okay, so every one of those, um, therete, which means nothing to you, really to me either, therete is the Greek word that is translated all three of these ways. One is confidence. So what he's saying is, I have come that you might have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but... He's saying, be confident. How can I be confident? How can I have confidence in his promises? Confidence in his promises. This book is so chock full of promises. The promises of heaven. The promise of his presence. The promise of his blessing. The promise of his patience. That's why I say, be in this book because... What it does is, he, when he says, take heart, he's saying, be confident. But it's not in my ability. Here's where a lot of us get off. You say, you know what, I, I got this. I got this. I got this, God. <laughs> We're typically that way. But your confidence is not in your supernatural ability. Your confidence is in God, who with him nothing is impossible. The second way it's translated is courage. Boldness, courage, be courageous. Um, you know, sometimes you, you say with your kids when they, they're going to run out into to a game or something, you know, to, 
you can do it, you can do it, you know, talk it up. So what's your courage based on? I mean, this is really the key, because if my courage is based on, you know what, I, I got this and I have no idea what I'm getting into, <laughs> and I just get smacked down. You ever done that? Go charging in with, with all this confidence and courage, and just boom. <laughs> well, my courage comes from his power. Not my, not my might, but his power. His ability to handle it. Third way it's uh, translated is in the old King James, <laughs> be of good cheer cheerfulness. So it's not just confidence and courage, it's cheerfulness. Because when, when he gives you this, prom the promises and so forth, there is a joy that will come with it. Peace and joy just are like partners with love. They really are. And so what makes me cheerful? Well, put on a happy face. I always like, you ever go to church in the old days when, say, everybody stand up, turn around, shake hands, put a big smile on your face. I thought we're just developing more hypocrisy. <laughs> you know, how are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> Where does our cheerfulness come from? Positive mental attitude? No. Our cheerfulness comes from the presence of God. Remember the verse I quoted out of Psalm 16? In your presence is fullness of joy. So here are the three. Translate this word. Either confidence in his promises, courage in his power, and cheerfulness in his presence. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Isn't that amazing? In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The world system that is falling apart, destroying and being destroyed, and it is like he has overcome and conquered and prevailed. The word is Nikos. We, sorry, Adidas fans, but uh, from Nike, we get over to... To achieve, to be victorious, to overcome. And, and here's the thing, that Jesus overcomes all trouble, all sickness, all disease, all death, every issue, ultimately. Presently, internally, and future, and all. So let me read this again. I have said these things, and I'm, I'm just wrap it up, wrap it up here. I've said these things to you. That in me, Christ, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. In the midst of all the trouble in this world, we have peace with him. You know, I was listening to one of the streaming, the Facebook streams this morning, to one of the gals trapped under this rubble. At the beginning, someone said, we're not okay. And the last thing she said before they rescued them, we're all going to be okay. I thought, you know, that's kind of a temporal example. But for us, no matter what happens in this life, we are all going to be okay. And I don't rest that on the might of what I can do or positive thinking but I rest that on the promise of God and his power and his presence that we talked about.
So let's this season take heart and experience, not just understand, but experience peace on earth. Father, we thank you for your word and for just giving us a little more clarity on what you mean by this peace and how we can enjoy it in the midst of a lot of trouble in this world. Father, I pray that when we experience these things, we'd look up and remember these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.